There is no secret formula for better customer service. But there is the all-new service hub from HubSpot, bringing service and support together in one powerful platform so you can deliver the best experiences possible and free up a rep's time with an AI-powered help desk. Also, you can easily support and grow your customer base. Secrets out, everybody. Service Hub is a game changer. Visit HubSpot.com service to learn more. Good morning, everyone. It's Wednesday, July 5th. I'm Mark Dent, and you're listening to The Hustle Daily Show. Today, we have a special episode where we're going to be talking about private equity. Private equity companies have taken over in our economy. Hertz, Payless Shoe Source, even the prison services business, all those have at one point been owned by private equity or are still owned by private equity. So what exactly is private equity? An author named Brendan Ballou has just written a book called Plunder, private equity's plan to pillage America. I sat down with Brendan for an interview. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Brendan Ballou. Brendan, so what is private equity exactly and what's its impact on the American economy? I should obviously preface this by saying that I'm here in a personal capacity and not on behalf of my employer. Basically, private equity firms take a little bit of their own money, some borrowed money and some investor money, mm-hmm. and then try to buy up companies. They make operational and financial changes to the companies with the aims of selling them for a profit a few years later. So it's a very simple business model, but for various reasons we can discuss, it often leads to bad outcomes for the actual companies that are bought the consumers who use those companies, and the people that work for them. And it's all over. I mean, we're talking healthcare, nursing homes, retail, everything, basically. Absolutely. If you go to the store and buy pet food, if you go to an OBGYN clinic, if you go to the emergency room or go to prison, if you even pour out water in your faucet in some localities, you are indirectly supporting a private equity firm. PE firms spent about a trillion dollars on acquisitions last year. And just for context, the entire U.S. GDP is about $25 trillion. So it's a big chunk of change. When we go to the grocery store, unless you're really into the weeds, we don't know probably that private equity firms are involved with some of this stuff we're buying. You know, BlackRock, we hear names like that and we just kind of think finance generally. You've got a sophisticated listener audience. So, you know, they're probably familiar with firms like Blackstone and Carlyle and KKR. And, you know, the exact order of those may change, but if you consider them with their portfolio companies, they would be the third, fourth, and fifth largest employers in America, right behind Walmart and Amazon. But private equity firms are not exactly like hedge funds. They're not exactly like investment banks. How is that different than what like a hedge fund does? It's a great question because there's not a strict legal difference between a hedge fund and a private equity firm. In general, hedge funds invest in securities, you know, Mm -hmm. stocks, bonds, so forth. Private equity firms buy whole companies, you know, Sears, Kmart. In a lot of ways, even though private equity firms might be a little less well-known than Goldman Sachs or J.P. Morgan, they're sort of taking on the role the investment banks had a decade or two ago. 
How did private equity firms come to prominence? I think private equity as an industry really took off in the 1980s. And it was likely the consequence of essentially lowered capital gains tax rates and then a long period of low interest rates. Yeah. So that led to the first boom in the 80s. And especially in the past few years, as you've had this era of extremely low interest rates, Mm -hmm. I think private equity firms had their biggest year in 2021, you know, in the midst of quarantine, when so much else of the economy was sort of receding, private equity was resurging. You mentioned that private equity can often lead to negative outcomes for the companies they purchase, for the customers of those companies. What are some of those outcomes? So just to give a couple of statistics, you know, when private equity firms got involved in the nursing home industry, Mm -hmm. they were responsible for an estimated, according to one study, 20,000 premature deaths over a 15-year period. When private equity firms got involved in the retail industry, they were responsible for an estimated, according to one study, 600,000 job losses over a decade at a period when the industry was actually growing. These are very diverse industries, yet Private equity seems to have bad consequences across them oftentimes. And I think that really comes down to three issues. One is that private equity firms tend to invest just for the short term. Mm -hmm. They're looking at holding the companies they buy for, you know, three or five or seven years often. The second is that private equity firms often tend to load up the companies they buy with a lot of debt and extract a lot of fees. And then the third thing, and this is the part that's really interesting to me as a lawyer, is that private equity firms often are able to insulate themselves from liability for the consequences of their actions and the actions of their portfolio companies. Mm -hmm. And so when you combine all those characteristics, sort of short-term thinking, a lot of debt and fees, and insulation from liability, it creates incentives that I think have bad consequences often across industries. Shopco, they were purchased by Sun Capital with borrowed money. And then even though they were the ones who were purchased, Shopco had to pay back the debt rather than Sun Capital, which made the purchase. How does that happen? Why do companies agree to that? And how does that whole process work? The private equity firm Sun Capital bought up Shopco, I believe in 2006 or 2007, with borrowed money, and then executed a couple of fairly standard tactics. One is called a sale leaseback. So they required Shopco to sell its real estate for its stores and then lease it back. And that gives Shopco and Sun Capital a quick hit of cash, but it means now that Shopco essentially has an indefinite responsibility for paying for stores that it used to own, and it doesn't have assets that it can borrow against in the future if times, you know, prove poor. It also required transaction fees and management fees. These management fees were essentially money that Shopco had to pay for the privilege of being owned by Sun Capital. Mm -hmm. Why would Shopco or any other company do this? Because as you said, there's sort of a strange alchemy that goes on when private equity firms buy up businesses. They do it with a lot of debt, but it's debt that the bought business needs to pay, Hmm. not the private equity firm. What happened to Shopco? And is it something similar that often happens to companies that are purchased by private equity firms? Well, so ultimately Shopco went bankrupt and essentially doesn't exist anymore. One of the really interesting things that Sun Capital and other private equity firms have been able to do is actually hold on to the companies they buy in bankruptcy Mm -hmm. by sort of a complicated process where they both own the company and lend the company money. And by doing that, they're able to hold on to the business, but they're able to push off the pension obligations of the bankrupted business 
onto what's called the Pension Benefit Guarantee Corporation. They get to control these businesses, but the responsibilities to employees and retirees is now held by this quasi-government agency. Private equity leaders tend to have their experience in finance, and yet private equity firms often get deeply involved in the operations of the companies they buy. When Sun Capital bought up Marsh Supermarkets, employees were complaining that you know the executives didn't even know what a UPC code is. It's not always the case that private equity firms install the wrong person in the business, but I think their perspective is a financial perspective rather than an operational one, typically. As long as businesses need to grow and expand, factories need to get built, employees need to get hired, somebody's got to give that business money and take the risk. That's what finance is about. Do you see momentum for reforms? Yeah, absolutely. I have to say, I think there are really important and successful movements going on about fixing some of these problems in specific industries, you know. In nursing homes, there's rulemaking going on to finally establish national minimum staffing criteria and improve transparency on who actually owns specific nursing homes. I think we're seeing activists, organizers, ordinary people really have success on specific industries, and we just need to keep doing that. Okay. Well, I think we should leave it on that. Brennan, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for the time. All right, that's going to do it for us today. Thanks again to Brendan Ballou, the author of Plunder, Private Equity's Plan to Pillage America. It's available just about anywhere you would want to go look for books. And if you want to listen to our full conversation, you can tune in this Sunday for a special edition episode where Brendan and I talk a lot more about private equity. We're a proud part of the HubSpot Podcast Network. Our editor today is Robert Hartwig, and our executive producer is Darren Clark. We've got a lot more tech and business coverage in our newsletter. So if you're not subscribed, go get signed up at thehustle.co slash email. We'll see you tomorrow. Hey, everybody. I got a great podcast to tell you about. It's called Truth, Lies, and Work. And it's brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. On this show, you can join husband and wife team Alan, Leanne, Elliot as they dispel myths, impart wisdom, and answer all your questions about finding, keeping, and motivating great people. They actually just did an episode with John Smith, who is the manager and agent of famous Argentinian soccer player Diego Maradona. He talks about in this episode how he was able to manage the global superstar athlete celebrity that Maradona is and was. It's a great listen. You better get out there and check it out. And you can listen to Truth, Lies, and Work wherever you get your podcasts.